Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Now, for all intents and purposes, guys, the church is gone. You, you get that, right? We're gone. Okay? You and I are having the time of our lives in heaven. We're there with our loved ones, streets of gold. This is amazing. This is amazing. We're here, and we can't believe it. We are just like so stoked, and oh, wow, check it out. This is amazing. I can't believe this. Is... We're here. We're here. We're here. Wow, did you? Mm. All of you who are afraid of heights, don't worry about it. It happens in half a blink, okay? Boom. You know, some of you are afraid of heights like me. I can't, mm -mm, mm -mm. but it's going to happen, okay? The thing that bothers me, the thing that bothers me today is when we're gone, the world is going to be very chaotic. You, you understand that, right? It's, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts, okay? Not only are our loved ones going to be missing, and I want you to picture the scene. Something dramatic happens, and you go to your phone, and you start calling somebody you know that's a Christian, and they won't answer, and they won't answer. It goes to voicemail and voicemail. And you realize within a few minutes, oh, my. But not only that, guys, do we realize that many are going to die to because of the sudden disappearance of the believers from earth. Many are going to die. Because there you are, you're going to work on a, oh, a Tuesday morning, drinking your cup of coffee. You hear the trumpet, you're gone. Your vehicle is still going to go down the road at whatever speed. There's going to be a lot of people. Airplanes, did you realize that airplane... They, 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 they started doing this, and I don't know how true it is, okay? So don't quote me. But airplane pilots, they want to make sure that one's saved and one's not saved. Because if the rapture takes place, they don't want both pilots gone. I don't know how true it is, but think about airplanes falling out of the sky. We have no clue how many airplanes are up in the air, do we? At any given moment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, guys? Can you imagine? Now, church gone, boom, chaos. But man is resilient, are they not? Man is resilient, and they will seem to find a way to rebuild, right? Because when the pandemic hit back in 2020, we said, we want back to normal. And that's, what, that's how man is, and they want to restore. Let's get back to the way we were, okay? And so the rapture takes place, and we understand, um, we understand the imminent return of Jesus can happen at any time. Now, pastor, you keep saying that. Why do you keep saying that? Because, guys, that's my heart. My heart is to warn you, to love you, to whatever I have to do to get you in the kingdom. Because Jesus can come back, and I don't want you standing here left behind. Well, how do you know who's left behind? I don't know. But I know when you put your faith and trust in God, when you believe, like what it tells us in Romans, when you confess, man, you're saved. But there's a lot of people who are not. There's a lot of our loved ones who are not saved, church. Can I get an amen? We need to be praying. We need to be sharing. They need to be saved. They need to be saved. But the tribulation 
can happen. I mean, it can start. It has to start, guys, basically at the signing of the peace treaty in Israel. Okay? So you got the rapture. Now, here's what most people think. Most people think that maybe we're on earth, Rosa, we're on earth, and we see something happen in the Middle East, and there's a signing of the peace treaty, then you and I go, oh, we could be raptured at that point. That could happen. That could happen. But we may not even see who the Antichrist is. We may not even see who this world leader is. We might be just going about our business, and we're taken home. That's a good place for an amen. I'm ready to go home. How many of you are homesick? How many of you home say, I'm ready to go home, okay? This has been fun, but I want off the ride. I'm off the ride, okay? This has been fun, but uh, no more going around the roller coaster, okay? I'm a, this is good. Now, let me ask you a question. Will there, be a, will there be a time between the rapture of the church and the great tribulation? There could be a time. There could be a time. I believe so. Why? For you see, certain things have to happen to proceed or usher us into a peace treaty. You understand that? Okay? Now, jot this down. If you're taking notes, there are nine sequential events that have to take place before the day of the Lord. Nine. Nine sequential events. Okay? Nine sequential events before the tribulation. Period. Remember, the tribulation is seven years. Okay, first three and a half years, I think mankind's going to just try to regroup. Then we're going to see next week the abomination of desolation, and we're going to see just all, and Lord forgive me, all hell being poured out on earth as we know it. Whenever you read scripture, you might see tribulation. You might have it called Jacob's trouble. You might, um, you might hear this, okay? This is the modern term, the great reset. How many of you have heard that? The great reset. That's the time of the tribulation. Here's another one. This is one that you, you'll hear. It's called build back better. You ever hear that? Build back better? That's part of the tribulation. That's the tribulation. These are terms they're using for that great reset. Okay, mankind has gone far down the road. It's time we need to reset everything. Like man can reset God's economy. But it's going to happen. Now, there are nine sequential events. Three of them have already passed. Three of them. That leads six in the future. Now, here's what the Lord put on my heart. You ready? On March 11, 2020, the world... The world, not just the United States, not just Texas, the world experienced this major change, this major shift. You guys with me? Unprecedented change in the way we live. And to be honest, 338 days later, we're still wondering what's going to happen next. We're still wondering. We really, I mean, we thought, oh, it's, it's December 31st, 2020. Man, I can't wait for 2021. We just rolled right into 2021, didn't we? And January again, February, and we're all stuck in our house, and we have no water, and we have no heat, and we're just wondering what's going to do. Can't find any wood, and not, not only just Lubbock, not only, hey, this is just this Arctic blast. You'll be all right. It was, whoo. And I don't know what's going to happen next. 
I don't know if there's going to be a second wave of coronavirus. I don't know what's going to happen next. And if you're all with me, you're kind of going, I get it. We're living one day at a time. We go to Monday and we go, right? Everybody peeks on Monday like this. (laughs) Are you sure it's safe? We asked 2021 for references. We didn't get them. Okay? So that's where we are. That's where we are. Now, what coronavirus and all of this has happened, the election, everything, what it's done is it's really caused us to take an inventory of our spiritual lives. Okay? For some... It was just another virus. It was just another pandemic, okay? They're, they're getting back as quickly as they can. For some, it was, it really was that, okay? And as a matter of fact, if you ask them, they say, oh, well, we've seen this before. We've seen this before. Well, not in our lifetime, okay? But you guys realize that the Spanish flu, uh, known as the 1918 flu pandemic, was kind of the, that's, that's kind of what happened. We, we've had the Spanish flu. Now, now check this out, guys. This was an, an unusually deadly influenza pandemic caused by the H1N1 influenza A virus back in 1918. Started in 1918 and ended in April 1920. If history repeats itself, we've got about another year of this. If history repeats itself. You go, okay, Ben. What, what, what was the difference? Okay. According to history, it affected 500 million people in just the two years, okay? One-third of the, the world's population at that time. Now, it came in four successive waves. 500 million. I'm not sure where we are in coronavirus. I think we're over 2 million, but this is 500 million, okay? The death toll was estimated somewhere between 20 million and 50 million, although estimates range from a conservative 17 million to as possible as high as 100 million. Nobody really knew what the death toll was. But the Spanish flu was much, 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 much more deadly than what we're dealing with today. You guys tracking with me? Okay? It made this one of the deadliest pandemics in human history. Now, our our grandfathers, great-grand, or maybe our great-great-grandfathers would have lived through that. They would have, they would have been able to say the same thing. Now, let me just give you food for thought, okay? There are 11 similarities between the coronavirus and the Spanish flu. Do you realize that they were made to wear masks as well in the Spanish flu? They actually, a lot of them died, okay? And again, I want you to research this. A lot of them died because of what was called bacterial pneumonia, okay? So a lot of them died that way. A lot of them had the flu and so forth. Now, you go, Ben, why do you bring this up? Well, there are three major differences that cause us to look at the sudden return of Jesus. Go with me in your minds to 1918. Here comes this flu. Here comes this pandemic. Rosa and I are going, this Jesus could come back. But there hadn't been some sequential um, things happen that would cause us to go, oh, 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 okay, so we're close. We're close. 
Three major things actually happen to get our eyes to go, oh, we're closed. Now, here's what you're thinking. Listen to me. Listen. Listen. You go, well, Ben, what if Jesus doesn't come back this year? What if he waits another five years? What if his grace is so amazing that, that we're not raptured until 20 years from now? And I say amen. And I'll tell you why. Because think about when you got saved. Think if the Lord would have come a day right before you said yes to him. You see, one day he's going to close the ark, if you will. One day he's going to come. But today we've still seen people get saved. And my God's heart, he says, for God so loved the world. He's wanting people to get saved. He's wanting people to surrender. He's wanting people to, and so, and, and, and so you go, well, what was the difference? Well, here's the difference. We have three things that have opened our eyes. You ready? To where you and I go, oh, we're a lot closer than the Spanish flu. Because I believe in the Spanish flu, they were like, oh, this could be it. This could be the return of Jesus, right? It's a worldwide pandemic. It's a worldwide, people are dying. Oh my goodness, Lord, you're going to need to come back. And in 1920, it sort of, it sort of subsided and people kept going. People kept having babies. People kept, um, that's, that's how we are today. But what's different about today? What's different? If you're taking notes, guys, jot this down. There are three ma- major differences we're going to unpack. Okay, three. And we're only going to tackle one today, and we'll tackle the next two. Okay, you ready? Jot this down. World War One and World War Two. Okay? World War I, 1914 to 1918, and World War II, 1939 to 1945. That's important. World War I and World War II. Number two, this major event was the reestablishment of Israel in 1948. And the third was Jewish control of Jerusalem. Okay? These are three that we're going to tackle. Now, like I told you, we have looked, we have unpacked Matthew 24. But just how faithful God is, there was something I missed even before. I, you, you guys understand that, right? You'll read the scriptures and go, okay. And then maybe a year later, you'll read it again and go, I didn't see that. That's amazing. Or a, a year later or two years or whatever it might be. Why? God's word is alive and he keeps speaking to us. That's what breaks my heart, guys, when somebody says, oh, well, I've already studied that book. I can't get much more out of it. Really? Because I'm on like the 10th or 11th time of reading through the Bible, and I'm like, oh, I didn't see that. Wow. You, you understand, right? Amen? Good. So, World War One and Two, the reestablishment of Israel, and Jewish control of Jerusalem. Everybody wrote those down? Very, very important. Okay? So, let's jump into Matthew's Gospel. Okay? Matthew chapter 24. Everybody there? All right. So, let's read together. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he sat down on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, 
When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Look at verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Your attention, please. We've read this. We've read this a hundred times. Is it okay? Okay, so what's happening? Well, the question is, are we living in the last days? And we get a resounding yes. But what we need to understand is a true determination of where history is moving prophetically isn't not how the world events affect the United States, but how, it, how these events impact Jewish history. You, you with me? Because we, as Americans, we look at everything and how it affects the United States. And one of the questions that we have is, well, how come the United States isn't in, in the Bible? How come the United States isn't in prophecy? And we try to figure out why. And, and I, it's really simple, guys, because we're going to, we're going to implode financially. Okay? There's going to be some sort of civil war. We're not going to be a superpower. But that's just surface stuff. But what God is doing, God is doing, and again, he says, listen, God's timetable, listen to me, has always been Israel. Has always. He, guys, I've stood behind this pulpit so many times and tell you, keep your eyes on Israel. Keep your eyes what's going on in the Middle East. Keep your eyes what Russia's doing. Okay, don't worry about this stuff here. They're, they're going to get our eyes off of what, oh, well, you know. And, and here's what we do. We were so entrenched in coronavirus and how many cases. And I get it. We want to be safe. Don't get me wrong. But we, it took our eyes off, off the world. And so, and, and, and so it, it's this. It's not, listen, in your mind, it's not about what the United States is doing. Amen? It's about what Israel's doing. As a matter of fact, you can jot this down. Deuteronomy, listen what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy 8 and 9, chapter 32, says this. When the Most High assigned lands to the nation, when he divided up the human race, he established boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the heavenly court. Look at verse 9. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. Here's what he's saying. Deuteronomy 32 is saying, listen, look at Israel. Look at their timeline. Now, here's what's important. You've had people, and we're going to talk about this. I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to talk about this next week. You're going to have people come in and go, no, 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 no. We we have, and what they call is replacement theology. Replacement theology is going, no, no, no. Israel doesn't exist anymore. The church is now taking over Israel. They're just a country. I don't even know how they got to be a country. And, and now the church. No, 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 no. God's time has always been Israel. If you'll read Romans, he goes back and he talks about Israel's past, present, and future. It's there. This is what we believe. This is what we believe, okay? And so what we have to do as a church, we must search the scriptures first and then apply them to certain events, not the other way around, okay? We cannot see the events and go, oh, let's let's plug those into scripture. That's not an exposition of the text. 
Okay? That's known as eisegesis and trying to make the text say what we want it to say. So we've got to be so, so, so important. Okay. So what happens? Well, let's break down. Okay. Um, here's my, here's my heart. I don't want to give you a huge history lesson because I want to, I want to just put enough in you where you go, Oh, I got to, I got to research this. I got to go research. I got to see this. Okay. Because the first event was fulfilled back in 1914. Back in 1914. And that is the world, World War One. Okay? Followed by World War Two. This is a world event. Okay? The background to the prophecy is found back in verses 1 and 2. Let's break it down just a little bit. Here's Jesus. He's walking with his disciples. And if you've never been to Israel and you can go, you got to go. You got to go. Oh, because you see the places. You know where he's talking about, the temple. So here's the disciples, and they're like, listen. And he says, and, and so here's what they say. Well, Lord, what do you think about this beautiful temple? Isn't it amazing? The Lord said it's going to fall. I'm paraphrasing, okay? I'm paraphrasing. Don't, don't, don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's all going to burn. It's all going to fall. And, and the disciples go, well, when will these things be? That's when they ask, when this is going to happen. Well, you guys know in 70 AD, Titus Spasian came in, right? He said, not one rock is going to be turned, right? Well, here's what happened. It burned so much that the gold melted in between the rocks and people were turning over the rocks to find the gold. They also ask, what is the sign of your coming? What is the sign of the second coming? When is that going to occur? And then they ask, what shall be the sign of the end of the age? Listen, this question, this is the important question. Everybody see? It's answered by Jesus. First, he answers negatively and then positively. Okay? Let's break it down. You guys ready? First, negatively. Notice with me verses 4 to 6. Then Jesus answers and he said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. That is the most important thing. Now, remember. Remember, he's telling his disciples, Make sure you're not deceived. Okay? Now, I think the application happens to us because we need to make sure we're not deceived. Okay? We can look at all of Scripture. We can look every, we can look at Revelation and we can see where a lot of the, the, the people are being deceived by governments and by peoples and by the, um, gosh, Nicolaitans. All of that. By the church, even, if you will. And say, don't be deceived, guys. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You go, okay, okay. He says, watch out for false messiahs. Take, make sure you, he says, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now, ready? Look at verse six, very key. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, we apply this to today, and yes, we've had wars. We've had a lot of wars. Well, uh, apart from World War I and World War II, the United States has had five major wars. Okay? Five major wars. But he, he said wars. Now, here's what you need to understand. Put on your thinking caps, guys. When Jesus was speaking about this, he was talking about localized as well. Around, around the Middle East, there was wars. There was this country going to fight this country and so forth. So, so the disciples would have went, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rome was going to come in, and, and Rome was the, oh. And he says, but he says this, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. Now, here's what you need to see. 
He says, see that you're not troubled. Why? Everybody underline this. For all of these things must come to pass. And here's what I want you to see. But the end is not yet. If we take that scripture out of context, we can say, Mike, well, I've heard of wars and rumors of wars. That's going on today, but the end isn't yet. So we have time. We have time to do whatever we want to do. But he's talking negatively. He's saying, okay, when you hear about these and the disciples go, oh, the end is not yet. Okay, 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 the end is not yet. Um, But then he says positively. This is verse 7. Look at verse 7. He says, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Here's the key, verse 8. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. The first part, he says, you're going to hear about this. You're going to hear, don't, don't be deceived. You're going to hear false messiahs. He says, but the end's not yet. And then he comes over here and he goes, but by the way, when you see nation rise against nation, kingdom and kingdom, when you see famines, pestilences, earthquakes, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. Now, two main points. Number one, wars and rumors of wars, end is not yet, okay? But when Jesus says nation against nation, he says this is the beginning of what? Birth pangs. Birth pangs, right? Any woman in here who's had given birth knows the birth pains. Do you know the birth pains? They start off with a little, oh, 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 what was that? What was that? Oh, hmm, a little uncomfortable. You guys know this, you know the story, right? Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's coming fast, right? And dad's like, is it time? We go to the hospital. No, 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 no. They're like, they're like an hour apart. Don't worry about it. But they come harder and harder and harder and harder until the woman's saying, get away from me. I'm going to kill you. You know, all of that stuff, right? She's about to have the baby and she wants to rip the husband's head off. <clears throat> That's birth pains. I want you to understand that, Okay. Now, some of your translations will say birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows, but I think this is the beginning, Santos, the beginning of the end. Okay? The beginning of the end. Throughout prophetic portions of Scripture, we're taught that we must endure a series of birth pangs before what? Before giving birth to a new age and a new kingdom. You understand, right? You understand. Moms, moms, help me out here. You have these incredible birth pangs. Now, listen, listen. When my kids were born, listen, my wife, my wife is the most loving person you would ever want to meet. And before she was giving birth, she used to love me to just, she would always say tickle and, and, and just rub and, you know, real, real nice and, oh. And so, man, she's, she's having the baby. And so I think, what do I do? I'm, and I start to rub her arm, and she looks at me, and she goes, don't touch me. Man, hello, you know, I was like, get behind me, Satan. No, I didn't say that. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? The point was, the point was, is there's something that happens. But, but what happens is that there's this huge pain, and those of you that are pregnant in here, ooh, it's going to look forward to that. Then there's, 
it goes away and you have a beautiful baby. A beautiful baby. Now, some of us didn't feel the, there's a whole other story, but you have a little baby and it's a, and there's pure joy. That's exactly what God is doing. Guys, guys, we're being, we're being, you feel it? You feel it? We're being, but he's going to birth a brand new kingdom. And I believe, Eva, I believe the seven years are going to be the final, let's push. You guys know what I'm talking about? This way it's like, okay, you're ready to go. Push. I think those are going to be the final seven years before God births a brand new kingdom. I think so. Well, Ben, cool. Let's break this down. When we, when Jesus, here's what I love about the word of God. Here's what I love about the word of God. When we read it just like this, and nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, we kind of go, okay, cool. When this nation, the United States, files against this nation, whatever it might be, or this kingdom, okay, Jesus was talking about Rome and so, listen, there's, there's two specifics that happen here, okay? Nation will rise against nation, that's ethnicity, okay? That's when this ethnic group will rise against another ethnic group. Okay, he says, when you see this ethnic group rise against another, okay. And, and so now we have that worldwide. We have that worldwide. And it's not going away. It's only getting worse. Okay? And, 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 and so Jesus said, when, when this ethnic group, Anglo-Saxon, Hispanic, whatever it might be, when you rise up against others, man, watch out. Why? Because that's the beginning of sorrows. And so, and all of us go, man, that's happening now. How is it that the color of our skin matters? How is it? And we forget that we're all the same on the inside. We really are. But nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will begin again kingdom. You guys know this past election, other countries were watching with very intent who would win the election. Now, This is also known, you guys ready? This is also known as a Jewish idiom. You go, what? Yeah, you guys know what an idiom is, right? Let me give you an example of an English idiom. Um, Hey, that person kicked the bucket. What do we mean? He died, right? That's an idiom. He didn't literally kick a bucket, right? I mean, but that's what we say. Oh, I don't want to kick the bucket. Well, why? Why don't you want to kick the bucket? It was there to kick. What? No, no, no. It's an idiom meaning, or, right? Or he bought the farm. Oh, he bought the farm. He bought a farm? No, it's an idiom that all of us understand. You guys with me? Move your heads if you understand. That's an idiom, okay? This is a Jewish idiom that all the disciples would have went when he said, nation will rise against nation. Everyone went, oh, oh. Okay, in the Jewish context of the day, it was spoken, and here's what it means. You ready? It means to a total conflict of all the area in view. It wasn't a localized war. It wasn't, um, okay, well, this little country's going. When Jesus said nation will rise against nation, he goes, you know what it means? There's going to be an all-out world war. That's what it means. 
As a matter of fact, listen, look at, li- listen, Isaiah chapter 19, 1 through 4, it kind of gives us the idea of the idiom. Listen to this, okay? He, Isaiah writes, this message came to me concerning Egypt. Look, the Lord is advancing against Egypt, riding in a swift cloud. The idols of Egypt tremble. The hearts of the Egyptians melt with fear. I will make Egypt... Egyptian fight against Egyptian, brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor, city against city, province against province. The Egyptians will lose heart, and I will confuse their plans. And they will plead with their idols for wisdom and call on spirits, mediums, and those who consult spirits of the dead. And I will hand Egypt over to a hard, cruel master. A fierce king will rule them, says the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, period. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, you understand the idiom, okay? And not only that, let's even take it a step further. Egypt has always in Scripture been a type of the world. So when we combine and we understand and we pull out the text, he's saying, okay, when nation rise against nation, he's going, this is going to be, when you guys see an all-out world war, that's the beginning of the end. That's the beginning of the end. Okay? Now, in Jesus' day, that expression would have floored his disciples. Why? Because back in his day, they didn't have Instagram. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have the internet. So for them to, for their brain to, um, wrap a mind a world war, they'd have to think, wow, this is, I mean, how do we even know what, wow, world war? Like, like, Alex, everybody? Huh. Huh. What Jesus is telling them, ready, Santos? What Jesus is telling them is that this world war is going to precede the, the what? It's going to be sequentially the coming of the Messiah. It's going to come in the second come. It's going to open up. Okay? Now, not, not the rapture because Jesus doesn't, he doesn't put his foot down on earth. The second coming is when he steps in the Mount of Olives and then it splits open and a huge earthquake. That's, that's the second coming. But the rapture, we go to be with him. He just comes up and says, hey, you guys ready? Your, your, your mansion's ready. Let's go. Boom. We're out of here. We're out of here. But the second coming is when he puts his foot on the earth. Okay? So when does this happen? The first time The first time since Jesus said this, guys, such a worldwide conflict, it happened in 1914, known as World War I. I used to listen to my dad talk about the world wars. I used to listen to his stories, right? And, I mean, it was just, it was, it was amazing. But here's what I found out. What I found out is most historians believe that actually World War II was a continuation of World War I only 20 years later. I was like, so, so it wasn't two separate, it was like one war. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. 
Now, let me just give you some brief facts, okay? World War I, also called the First World War, the Great War, was an international conflict that happened in 1914 to 19, embroiled most of the nations, the nations of Europe, Russia, the United States, the Middle East, and other regions. Guys, it was everyone, okay? The war pitted central powers, mainly Germany, Austria-Hungary, and Turkey against its allies, who were they? Mainly France, Great Britain, and Italy, and a little bit of Japan. From 1917, the United, the United States. It ended in the defeat, if you will, of the central powers. The war was virtually unprecedented in the slaughter of carnage and destruction it caused. This is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. So I just kind of wanted to let you know how it started. This is how, but, but I wanted to mention, look, look, it wasn't just, well, Rome was doing this or, or Turkey's doing that or, or North Korea. It was worldwide. It was a huge conflict. Now, remember this. Both World War I and World War II, although the United States was a big part of that and a lot of men lost their lives, it actually impacted Jewish history all the more. You go, what? Yeah. Because of World War I, it provided, you ready? The beginning and the growth of what is known as the Zionist movement. You're going, what, what is the Zionist movement? Zionism is the movement to recreate a Jewish presence in Israel. The name comes from the word Zion, which is a Hebrew term from Jerusalem. Throughout history, Jews have considered certain areas of Israel sacred. So after World War I, it got people going, we need to go back to Israel. We need to move back. Well, why do you want to move back? I don't know. There's something in my heart. Israel is sacred, but it's not a country. There's nothing there. It's a plain and wasted. I mean, Mark Twain showed up in the 18, late 1800s and he looked and he said, are you kidding me? This is nothing. It's, it's, there's not even a, a there's not even a tree growing here. And then people after World War I were going, we got to go back. We got to go back. We had to go back. Well, why? Why? Why do you want to go back? I don't know. I just, I feel like oh, I need to be part of my roots. I just want to go back to Israel. I want to go and establish. But bro, there's nothing there. No, no, no. I don't know why. I just, I just feel. Fast forward 20 years, guys. World War II. World War II. You guys know this. Okay. Um, World War II was known as the Second World War, okay? And it was a conflict that involved virtually every part of the world in the years from 1939 to 1945. The were the Axis powers of Germany, Italy, Japan, and the Allies was France, Great Britain, United States, and the Soviet Union. And to a lesser extent, China. The war was in many respects a continuation of the uneasy 20-year hiatus of the disputes left unsettled by World War I. That's why a lot of people go, oh, that's just one war. The 40 million to 50 million deaths occurred in World War II make it the bloodiest conflict as well as the longest war in history. So 
in your minds, World War I and World War II were one giant war. They, <laughs> they took a break, right? Could you imagine fighting somebody in the playground? Can you imagine? All right, let's go. And we're, we beat each other up for a little while, and we go, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back here in a couple of years, and we'll settle it then. And so then now you're in sixth grade, and you're fighting the same guy. That's kind of the concept. They never settled it. They never shook hands and said, okay, you beat me up. All right, well, we're friends now. It continued on. World War I and World War II. Now, World War I kind of got the people thinking of the Zionists. We get to go back to Israel. But World War II, guys, it actually set the stage for the reestablishment of the state of Israel just a couple of years later, in 1948. In 1948. So Jesus says this. Guys, check it out. Listen, listen. Jesus says, hey, hey, listen. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom. And the disciples go, I don't want to be here for a world war. I don't want to be here for a world war. This is a world war. Oh, okay, okay. And he says, oh, by the way, um, not only that, he says, but there's going to be famines. There's going to be famines. Guys, do you realize that there has been a lot of famines? When you couple this with famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places, man, think about this. I mean, during the war years of 1918 and 19, guys, do you realize that pestilence killed 23 million people? Pestilences, famines. In 1920... We saw the Great Chinese Famine, later followed by the Great Russian Famine in 1921. Okay? Now, before we get into earthquakes, I want you to think about this. If these are birth pains, we're seeing remnants of that going on today. I guarantee you, if the news or the weather says... The word accumulation, the grocery stores are wiped out. You know that, right? But what if, what if there was a worldwide harpazo? What do you think the grocery stores are going to look like then? It's going to be wiped out. The Bible says in the last part of the Great Tribulation, guys, that that basically all the food in Lubbock is only going to be able, this is, this is the equation, and we'll get to it in Revelation, all the food in Lubbock is only going to be able to um, supply 20,000 people. That's all the grocery stores, 20,000 will get food. What does that mean? 210,000 people in Lubbock, Texas will go without food. There'll be nothing left on the groceries, on the shelves. You're like, wow. Famines. There's great famines. Now, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. Okay, it's not the word of God. But do what you want when someone like Bill Gates buys up all the cattle land in the United States. What is that about? Why would a tech guy? Huh. Is there going to be another great famine? Is there? Hmm. 
Well, the fact checkers, I'm not worried about fact checkers. I'm just telling you, you do what you want to do with that. But I'm just saying, wow. When I get this stuff, it's like, man, the world is falling apart. You know what it's not? It's falling into place. It's, it's, it's getting ready. And what God is doing, he's going, open your eyes. Do, do you not see? And he gives us one last warning, guys. One last warning. What does he say? He says, what about earthquakes? What about earthquakes? Do you realize, guys, that the, in the first thousand years after Jesus came, there were approximately five recorded major earthquakes in a thousand years? Five. In the 20th century, we have an earthquake every hour. He says, this is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Now, next week, next week, you don't want to miss that because this is part two. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the second and third events. We're going to look at how Israel became a nation. And you will not believe the last second that they actually signed. A fellow by the name of Ben-Gurion signed them in, in, I mean, this is crazy. It's crazy. We're going to see them become a nation. Now, listen, you understand that Israel was at war at that time, okay? And he says, we're being ready to be attacked. If I sign, we're going to be attacked. And they were. If I don't sign, we're going to be attacked. They're ready. And so Ben-Gurion signed, and they had an all-out war. But see, God stepped in, and he did an incredible work, okay? Then we're going to look. Okay, so let me just give you, I'm going to give you a teaser. You ready? There has to be Jewish control of Jerusalem, the old city Jerusalem, okay? Because what they want to do is they want to establish their third temple, their third temple. They can establish their third temple. Ooh, this is good. They can't establish their third temple if they're not allowed or have any control of the temple mount. You guys with me? Everybody know the temple mount? They can't, right now, that's the source of conflict. You've got the, the, the mosque, the dome of the rock on the, and, and it's, it's not under Jewish control. Although Jew, this is Israel, this, they should have control. They actually have control of the temple mount, but they don't have control. What if, I'm going to give you the what ifs. What if the temple wasn't supposed to be on the temple mount? What if it was, and she knows what I'm talking about, the city of David, right, right, right over here, the city of David. What if it was supposed to be here? Well, no, no, no. We've had historians, Jewish historians say it's on the, okay, fine, cool. But what if? What if somehow they go, we, we, could, we could build our third temple here. Now, listen, if you go to Israel today, they already have everything ready for the third temple. It's called the, it's called the Temple Institute. They have everything ready. Okay? They're training up. They got the red heifer. Everything's ready to go. They just don't have a place to build the temple. Let me give you two scenarios, okay? Two scenarios real quick. The temple, the temple is not on the temple mount, and so they can build it anywhere right now. Or, 
they put a fence along which separates the Dome of the Rock to this incredible acreage, and they can build a temple in 30 days, I guarantee you. It doesn't have to be the way they did. They could do that. Do you remember that? That's huge acreage, huge. We Jewish people come in this way, worship. Muslim people come in this way, they worship, and we don't ever see each other. The Antichrist is going to somehow establish a treaty to allow that to happen. That's what freaked people out about President Trump when he was doing these treaties. This, he, was, he was trying to create peace, but it was never the peace treaty. Oh, President Trump's the Antichrist. No, he's not the Antichrist. You understand this is a, this is a very specific peace treaty, which allows them to build their third temple. But in order to build their third temple, they have to have what? Control. We're going to see that next week. So as we close, as we close... The first sign of the birth pain signifying the last days of the end had begun was a worldwide conflict, a worldwide conflict coupled with famines and earthquakes, okay? So it started. It started. Oh, I heard wars of rumors. No, no, that's the end. It's not yet. But listen, this, this is starting. This is starting. Okay, this also marks the first of the events leading up to the tribulation period. So here's my question to you guys. Don't tune out. Don't tune out yet. What is the purpose of going through all of this history? What was the purpose? You ready? So that you would be right with Jesus. That's the purpose. And I don't want anybody to say, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. You see, a careful study of Scripture reveals that we're almost done with our time here on earth as we know it. It should do two things to you. It should excite you that you're the generation that's going to see the return of the Lord. And it should also cause you to let go of the small stuff, to not hold a grudge, to be forgiving, to hug your kids just a little bit longer, to tell your loved ones, I love you. It should cause us, guys, to walk with joy and the fact that we have incredible hope, not in our government, not in the United States, not in the world, but in Jesus. And he's got it all under control. That's where our hope comes. So, instead of peeking out Monday morning like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do, we walk up and we go, Lord's already here. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And if the world falls apart, guys, it falls, it crumbles all around us, we go, God, you're still here. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. And when somebody close to us passes, although we grieve here on earth, oh, man. We rejoice in the fact that he's there, she's there. And we go, wow. Almost jealous. Almost a little bit of like, oh, he made it before me. Oh, but I'm going, I'm coming. I'm coming. So what should we do, Carmen? What should we do? Here's what the Bible says. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So we know we're going to die. And that's going to be amazing. That's going to be amazing. Ooh, it's going to be so good. Okay? 
But while we're here, guys, listen to me. We got to work. We got to work. We got to tell, we got to tell others about the incredible love that God has given, the incredible way He saved us. We got to tell others. We got to love people back to life. That's what we got to do. Listen, tomorrow, God's going to put in your path people that need to hear the gospel. He's going to. You just got to share. Oh, I don't know anything. What if they ask me a question? What if they ask me where, if Adam had a belly button? You know what? We don't worry about that stuff. Let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Let me tell you. Last thought, last thought, okay? Do you guys remember the man who was demon-possessed up in the Gadarenes? Do you remember him? And Jesus came across the sea for one person. One person came across the sea, and he sat there. He said, what's your name? Legion. Get out of him. Go into those pigs. Right? And some of you say, well, I won't believe Jesus until I see pigs fly. There you go. Pigs flew right into the ocean. But here's the point. The guy said, Jesus, I want to come with you. I want to come with you. Please let me be your disciple. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, no, no, no. Stay here. Go tell people in the city what I've done. Go occupy till I come. He'll be more effective that way. So what is Jesus? I want to go be with Jesus, but right now, what's he saying? Go tell, go tell people in Lubbock about how wonderful I am and how I save and how I heal and, and, and I'm still God. That's what he's saying. Amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word today. We love you so much. Lord, I never want to leave a Bible study without giving anyone Anyone, Lord, watching online or in this church, an opportunity to surrender to you. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, I would say maybe there's somebody watching or listening, whatever it might be, that says, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with God. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God right now. And that what makes it worse is that the world is, is, is falling apart all around me. Which I say to you, if you feel like you're a million miles away, you're also one decision away from coming back to him. He's standing here with his arms wide open, ready to receive you. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. You see, without him, there's no plan, there's no purpose in your life. But with him, he's going to give you a plan and a purpose. He's going to give you a reason for living. But you have to open up your heart and you have to invite him inside. You have to believe. You have to repent of your sins and turn and follow him. You, Pastor Ben, how do I do that? I don't know what to do. Well, in a moment, just, if God is speaking to your heart, just lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be right with God. I want to, I want my sins forgiven. Now, I know I can't see you watching online, but you can just lift up your hand. God will see your heart. And you pray something like this. It doesn't have to be exactly. But you give him your heart and say, God, I have not believed in you. I have played church, but I believe in you right now. I know that you're speaking to me through the power of your Holy Spirit. Pastor Ben was saying some stuff, but I know I don't have a relationship with you, but I want one. So I'm asking you to come into my heart, God. I believe you died on the cross. I do for me. I believe that you were buried, and on the third day you resurrected. And at the right hand of the Father right now, I believe you're going to come back, just like the scriptures say. I believe all of that. But Lord, I can't make it in this world without you. So I'm asking you to come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, be my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, 
I want to be the first one to welcome you to the family of God. Make sure you tell somebody, hey, man, I got saved today. Hey, listen, if you need a Bible or a Bible study guide, we want to get it for you. We love you. We love you. We love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Let's finish off our wonderful day in church with this worship song. Let's just let's just worship him. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.